0: Hello, and welcome to the Laverne Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. You can find us at 244 Old Nashville Highway, Laverne, Tennessee, 37086. We hope that anytime you are in the area, you will stop by and join us for worship. Our Sunday morning worship is at 9 a.m., with Bible classes following. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6 p.m., and we also have a Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m knows inside what goes inside my own head. I just, I can't believe sometimes been entrusted to that great responsibility, but I certainly do appreciate it and try my best, and man alive, it's, it's like I am uh, just riding the coattails of such great people before me, and the youth group is just so wonderful, and uh, the, the young people in this congregation, man, what a blessing you are to here at this place, and in your schools, and in your communities, and in your homes, and I just couldn't be more proud of you, and uh, 2024 is going to be the greatest year of your life. going to be the greatest year of my life. I believe it to be the case, and if I believe it to be the case, then it will be with God's blessing. I am thrilled to be standing before you. I've gotten very used to doing the five-minute devotionals on Wednesday night, so we might be out of here at at the bottom of the hour, and then again, who knows? Sometimes it doesn't quite fit in five minutes. Uh, I was uh, traveling recently and was in my hometown, my hometown congregation, and a young man brought a lesson, and in that lesson, He used a line that just really grabbed grabbed my attention and really made me think deeply about the concept that he was portraying. And that was along the lines of something like this. He said, does this definition define you? He said, because sometimes it defines me and sometimes I think it defines the church and, and certainly it defines me at times. And it's this, are you too spiritual to truly be a part of the world or are you too worldly to truly be spiritual? And that question that he asked, man, it, just, it was like a ton of bricks fell on top of my head. Am I too spiritual to be part of the world? Or perhaps am I too worldly to be part of the spiritual life that God has given me to undertake? And so tonight I want to enter into some discussions around this idea of being all in on the Lord's work. All in. And I think that if each one of us examine our lives, we could probably find places where we wish we could do better, where we could spend more time and more energy, more money, more effort, more attention, spend more time in prayer and more time in teaching, more time in study. I think all of us have room in our life for improvement. So this night, I would just like us to think about in 2024, and I know it's not New Year's resolution time yet, we still have a whole month to go, but that's okay. We can start right now thinking about making 2024 the best. Year of our spiritual lives by being all in for Jesus, when I was raising young children, we had a game i 'm not much of a video game, video game player, but they had, uh, uh, we had this game, and it was called Mario Kart, and maybe some of you have played that game at times if you 're a good father, you played Mario Kart and you showed your kids no mercy and that was me. I would always pick what I thought was the fastest little cart, so the, the premise of the game in case you don 't know it 's just a racing game and you 're you're in a little go-kart, and you're racing against, I think, about six or eight other people, computer people, and your family, if, if they have controllers. And I loved, as we were rocketing around that track, and there was all these intricate things that you could run into and run over and get stuck, and there were bombs, and I mean, it was just like real life, just like real life, going into I-24, pretty much. And I enjoyed very much rocketing along beside my kids, and when I would see a, a, little, a little gap coming where I could knock them off an the edge of the cliff, I... I would just nudge them. My, my car would just nudge them. They'd spin out of control and fly over the edge of the cliff, and then the crying would begin. Another thing I like to do is race, get really far ahead of them, and park at the finish line about two millimeters from it, and wait till they were barreling down the home stretch and crossover just before they got there. And I think sometimes in our life, the devil does the same thing to us. Racing along in our Christian lives, Got a clear view of what's ahead of us. We're barreling along and we're going as fast as we possibly can. And we're moving into the turns and avoiding the danger. And at the last minute, along comes Satan and he just kind of hip checks us over into a temptation, hip checks us over into a challenge and derails our spiritual life. Maybe makes worldly things enter into our thoughts and temptations that maybe are long since we thought we defeated come rushing back in. Or perhaps he gets really far ahead of us, so far that we can't even see him and think he doesn't pre- present any danger in our lives at all. And as we come down, what we think is the homestretch, there he is. So tonight, let's talk about ways that we can be all in in Christianity. I'm going to start with this. Number one, you cannot be a Christian in name only. You can't say, I'm a Christian and that's it. As a matter of fact, I think the majority of our country, the majority of the world believes that. All I have to do is just say I'm a Christian. And if I say I'm a Christian, I am a Christian, you have no right to tell me otherwise. But that's not biblical at all. We serve a God who is jealous of us. He's jealous of our time and our attention. He's jealous of our passions. He wants us to be the center. He wants him to be the center of our lives. And we can't be a Christian in name only. As a matter of fact, if you think you can, most of the time when you believe that way, you end up, not every time, but most of the time you bring shame on the church. How many times have you been going through life and you find someone that has professed to be a Christian that says they are, but they act a different way? Maybe that's you. Maybe the people at work hear what you say, but they see what you do. They hear the words come out of your mouth, but they don't see the actions coming out of your life. And then they'll say, well, I'm not exactly sure where that fellow goes, but wherever that fellow goes, I don't want anything to do with that. A lot of times, being a Christian in name only brings shame on the church, but every time, being a Christian in name only brings shame to you and to the Lord. It reminds me of those stories that you hear that just seem fantastic. The day of social media may have put this to bed, but a long time ago, you would hear growing up that there'd be a man who would have two separate families. Remember hearing about this a long time ago? He was a businessman and he traveled a lot. And so he'd go to this other town and spend a lot of time there and met and fell in love with someone and married him. Had two separate families, completely two separate things or perhaps not quite to that level. Perhaps a a man or a woman who has a family at home and has an immoral lover on the side. And what comes out of that relationship is utter destruction. I think sometimes we live our lives, and I know I do, I live my life such that I've got this Christian world, this Christian family over here, and I've got another family over here of which I'm not so proud, and which I hope you never find out. We shouldn't live that way. It'll just bring disaster in our life. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. Is your life consumed by Almighty God? Is he your everything? Is he your always? The Lord your God is consuming fire and a jealous God. Even in our times today, there's uh, religions that practice polygamy where a man can marry five or six, why in the world? Five or six women. I think there was a television show, kind of one of those reality television shows about that. And you watch those shows and what you sense in that family a great deal of the time is jealousy because of split loyalties. Or perhaps you've got something as innocent as, as your children at home. And, and, you know, if you ask any one of your kids who's the favorite, they're very rarely going to say, well, I am. Every child thinks that their parent's favorite was the other child or the other children, right? Except Ryan. He is indeed the favorite. <laughs> and when you, when you have a situation like that, it brings forth intense jealousy. I'm just going to tell you this story real quick. She's not here. Jesse was here this morning, and she wouldn't mind me sharing this. When Gavin was born... She'd been the baby for quite a while. When Gavin was born, what made her the most jealous of her brother was this. Whenever we got to a place where he had to push an elevator button, Gavin and Jesse had always gotten to push that button before because she was the youngest. Push the up button, Jesse. She'd walk up there and push him. She was so proud. When Gavin came along and he could walk, we'd say, Jesse, it's Gavin's turn to push the elevator button. She wanted to push him down the elevator shaft. <laughs> Because she was so jealous. That's how God is. When he sees you giving your time and your attention and your loyalty to someone other than him, that consuming fire that should consume your life in a good way is therefore a warning. It reminds me of when you are going to get out on a boat and you're at the dock. And you put one foot on the boat and you've still got one foot on the dock. And you know what happens. You either get in the boat or you get on the dock or else you get in the water. And sometimes I, I find a, 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 one foot, it seems like, in the Lord's work and one foot out of the Lord's work and, and can't get any traction. Can't, and it seems like my, my grip on both just seems to slip. Get all in or get all out. Verbally get all in. Luke uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. I know your works, that you're neither hot Nor cold. I would wish that you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. All in. Jesus here says, All in. I want you all in. You know, people will will sometimes talk to me about, uh, Can can you do a Bible study with my friend? They they need to understand the Bible, and they'll say this now, it's going to be really hard because they don't know anything at all about the Bible. I'm going to tell you that's the easiest Bible study you will ever have. When they say I've got a friend over here and he's hardcore, and you pick you pick some some religion, he's hardcore that, but he needs a Bible study. That's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Get all in for Jesus. Get all in for it. The soul, your, soul, your soul's home should be the church. And what does that look like? If, if your soul's home is the church, what does that look like? Well, first of all, it means you're here. And by the way, I meant to start with this. I, I thoroughly believe there are some lessons that are really good for Sunday morning crowds and there are some lessons that are good for Sunday night crowds. And so I'm going to ask the Sunday night crowd that's here, when it's, when it's been kind of a miserable day outside, right? I mean, it was gloomy. It got dark literally at 423. And, and even worse than that, this morning, I mean, I tell you, this The the Sunday mornings right after a major holiday are some of my favorite to be at church because all the college kids are here and all of the young families that have have started their their new life in another place are all back here. And you come back on Sunday night and they're all gone. And so it's been, been kind of a gloomy and kind of a down day. But I want you to know that if you have the church as your home, you're always home with the church. When you're here with its people and drawing from its people and contributing to its people, you're always where you need to be. And be here to be here, you have to be all in. You know, sometimes when you, you hear a lesson that's, that's talking about really just really trying to dedicate your entire life to God, you, you'll, you, you may hear something like this, well, I, I can't be perfect. Well, of course you can't be perfect. If you could be perfect, we wouldn't need a savior. And I think sometimes we let perfection get in the way of better. and We let, we let this, this idea of, of not falling short and of, and of being just, just, just practically perfect in every way, we let that get in the, in the, in the, in the way of just saying, but I'm, I'm going to strive to do just better and better. I heard a man say this one time, when you are doing your best and giving your best and trying your best and you slip and fall, you're going to slip and fall squarely into the arms of a loving Savior. Don't let perfection get in the way of being better. However, when you're a Christian that spends their Christian life dancing on the line, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. When you're saying that you're a Christian and you're proclaiming that you're a Christian and you're, and you're, you're participating, but you're participating when it's convenient and you're, and you're studying, but you're studying when it's convenient. You're praying, but you're praying when it's convenient or when you're reminded. There's nothing more embarrassing than being at a table full of Christians out after church and, and taking a bite of your food when it first sits down and someone says, Well, we haven't even prayed yet. You ever done that? I know I have. When you live your life dancing on the line of Christianity, going mostly to places that you should go, but not ways, and saying things that pop into your mind that that filter pops on that says, No, that's probably best left unsaid, but it comes on out anyway. Then you're sabotaging your own life when you're too stubborn to change. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, speaking to the church says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. So being all in as a Christian, giving it all, how do we do that? i like a few practical things to talk about now. A few practical things that, that might help you decide and start that journey to be all in. We're going to talk about pushing out, pushing up, pushing over, and pushing on. So let's talk about pushing out. Push out the temptations of your life. Doesn't that sound so easy? Just don't fall to temptation anymore. That sounds pretty easy. A matter of fact, it sounds so easy to do, we should all just start doing it right now. The problem is... The problem is the devil is crafty, and the devil knows you, and the devil knows your weaknesses. The question is, do you? Do you know what tempts you to sin? If I, if you were to, you know, I didn't do this, and obviously didn't want to, but if you... If I would put an index card in the pew back in front of all of you and said, just take that out and take that provided pencil right there and write the thing that you fall victim to the most of Satan, the, the sin that you commit the most in your life. You guys ever heard of Dave Ramsey? Most people have heard of him. And what does he say about debt? Take the which debt first? The biggest debt first and take care of it. No matter what the interest rate is, no matter what it is, just take, take the biggest one first. And get. or I'm sorry. The smallest one first. He says the smallest, smallest one first, doesn't he? Smallest one first. So take take stock of your life and take all those things that tempt you, that you fall victim to, and attack those things one at a time. Write them down if you have to. You know, it seems like I fall victim to the, this temp, the, the temptation of lust so often, and so I'm going to write that down. I fall tempt temp, the temptation of greed gets me a lot of money i tell you what, I just have a short fuse and a short temper, and every time something doesn't go my way, I just blow my top. Maybe you write that down. And then you take those things one at a time and find ways to avoid those things specifically. So how do you do that? Well, the first way you could do that is to confess those weaknesses by name to a trusted brother or sister. Ryan's the favorite child in his family, so I trust him. And I go to him, and say, Ryan, man, i got a temper problem. And when I'm about to blow my stack, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to shoot you a quick quick text or or pick up the phone and call you. Or if you see me about to blow my stack, if you'd say, hey, 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 I'm going to help you with this. Sometimes saying things out loud to someone else makes it easier to avoid. If you confess to everyone, you know, I just, hey, everybody, I blow my stack a lot. Then it kind of holds you accountable because you know that people are going to be there to support you and love you through those situations. So confess your weaknesses by name. To a trusted brothers and sister, James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another. How about this one? Proactively deprive yourself of those situations in which you're tempted. How do you proactively? Well, so here's how you do that. If driving on I 24 into Green Hills every day makes you lose your temper, guilty, then don't drive on I 24. Take the back roads. But that's going to take me 15 minutes longer to get to work. Isn't it worth it if you're all in? If, if watching television, even the commercials that come on the programs you're watching, incite you to some sort of lust, then don't watch TV. Isn't that worth it if you're all in? If, if the, Whatever the situation is, you know that presents a temptation to you. Even if it's inconvenient, expensive, or time-consuming, isn't it worth it to avoid temptation if you're all in for Jesus? Proactively deprive yourself of those weaknesses. Like Paul did in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, when he said, I buffet my body. I bring it into... I, some of the translation say, I... I protect my body. I bring it to subjection. I discipline my body. I discipline myself. Make myself do things that I don't want to do. Make myself do things that I... Keep myself from doing things that I do want to do. I have to discipline myself to take away those temptations. Or, after I've told other people about Jesus, I myself might become disqualified in the faith. If you're all in on Jesus, you're going to surrender yourself to that level of discipline that Paul talks about there in 1 Corinthians. So push out your temptations. Know them. Push up your challenges. Satan wants to think that it's you against him. And oftentimes that's kind of how I, I, I envision it. You know, they, they, you, you're faced with a temptation and you're, you're showing, you know, I, take, I, can hear, I can feel you, devil. I can feel you working with me right now. It's you against me, buddy. It's you against me. You don't stand a chance against me, devil. guess what? That's not true at all. It's you and the Lord against the devil. And don't forget that. Push up your challenges. Ask God specifically to provide strength for your weaknesses. And confess your weaknesses out loud by name to God the Father. In your prayer life, God, I struggle with losing my temper. Help me not to lose my temper anymore. God, I struggle with looking at things on the internet I should not look at. Help me to not do that anymore. God, I struggle with you name it. Ask him, say it out loud. Say it out loud to him. Let him hear it from your lips to his heart in a specific way. Psalms chapter 32, verse 5 tells us to do just that. Push up your challenges in prayer. Plead with God specifically. You know, I, I think we fall victim to generalized prayer. And I know uh, in the pulpit, it might not be the best idea for the person saying the closing prayer Malik, don't forget. Friend, we get up and say, God, I struggle with beating my siblings. I, I'm not saying that's the right time. But if you don't have a good relationship with your family, pray about that specifically to God. And we, get, we get caught in this generalized prayer, please forgive us of our sins, please forgive me of my sins. and. Please help me not to commit sin in the future, but be specific. Please forgive me for doing this, for saying this, for looking there, for going there. Please forgive me for those things specifically, God. And help me not to do those things specifically again. I continue to fall victim to them, God. Be on my side, and he will lift you up. Lift up your prayers to him. Number three, push over. Not being a pushover, but taking your encouragement and your love and your compassion for Christ and for his his fellow children, and push over that encouragement to those around you. Offer kind words to someone if you even think those kind words might help them. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, Kindness is the fruit of the Spirit. And the old saying goes something like this, A little kindness goes a long way. When you see a, a very young person in the auditorium do something gracious like pick up the little cups at the end of Sunday morning service. Go up and offer a kind word about that. That's just a small little thing that they're doing, but your words will have huge impact. When you see someone that just looks like they're struggling, be kind. Oh, I don't want to get in their business. Just be kind. You might say something like this. You're a private person. I understand that. But I just want you to know that I love you And I'm praying for you, and I care for you. Now that person might say, what did I do wrong? Just be kind. As a matter of fact, there's that old saying that goes, when you come into a room, do you improve the room when you enter the room? Or do you improve the room when you leave the room? Christians should always be the kind of person that improve the room when they come in, because you're going to come in with the Lord. Bring the Lord with you into every room that you come into. Bring his spirit and his love and his compassion, his grace, his mercy. Be his ambassador into every location in which you find yourself injected. I like to, I I don't have a very good imagination. If you give me directions how to get somewhere and you start saying turn left and turn right, I'm lost from the very moment. So I I don't have a very good imagination and I, I regret that. But I do like to imagine Jesus standing beside me a large part of my day. I, I just, I find it helpful to think, well, if, if he was standing right here in this situation, now sometimes I want to run off and leave him and do things my way. But Jesus is with you all the time. And if it helps just to imagine him physically watching you because he is, then you go ahead and do that. And prove every room you enter because you're bringing Jesus with you. Number four, push on. Push on in your relentless pursuit for righteousness. Push on, push on, push on. When you fall down, get up and dust yourself up off and start at it again. When you fail, when you sin, when you fall, don't let that be the thing that stops you. Too many times, you know, we... We sometimes let little things jump us off the tracks for the long term. Don't let a short-term problem affect your long-term salvation. Get back on track. Don't wait for spectacular things to happen in your life. I think too many people in the world are looking for some great, some grand, almost miraculous thing to swoop in into their life and, and shake them and shake them to their foundation so they can say, now is the time, now I see, now I want to start following Christ. Don't wait for that. Don't wait for that. Seek and find and obey God every day. Represent Him every day. Do it at church. Do it at home. Do it at school. Do it on the job. And don't have, don't have like sometimes it's very easy to do, don't have a church you and a work you and a home you and a school you. Several years ago, we took one of those personality assessment courses. Have you ever taken one of those where they assign you an animal or they assign you a color or they assign you one of those things? People are shaking their head yes. And, and I, that's, That was very popular a few years ago. We haven't done that recently. I'm okay with that. I, I'm an orange. If you know that color, it means I'm real bashful. <laughs> I'm an orange. It means I'm outgoing. But What's funny is when I, I took that course several times, and when I took it thinking about, well, when I'm at work, I think differently than when I'm at home, dealing with my family. When I'm in church, I think differently than when I'm at work, when I'm at home, and when I'm when I'm in public and I'm around people that I don't know too well, I, I think and act differently. And that's a shame. We should be God's ambassador twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, no matter the situation. And we will be if we're all in. And if barriers are in your way from being all in, from pushing on, and really embracing the life of Christ, if barriers in your way, then love your way and pray your way right through And a barrier could be a, a very difficult thing. It could be a family member that, that is in opposition to your faith. It could be an employment situation that doesn't seem to cut you a break where you can even get to services on a regular basis. It, it could be a situation where your health is not what you would like it to be. Or, or your anxiety and, and those things that are bouncing around your head are, are just, just constantly overwhelming your, your, your ability to seek after bigger and better things in your life. It could be so many very challenging, very challenging things. Ask for help and love and pray your way through them. I wish... I wish that we all had the prayer life of Christ. We noticed when he faced insurmountable obstacles, he loved and prayed his way through them. He, he, think about that prayer in John chapter 17. When he was about to go to the cross, and he was resigned to the fact that he was going to the cross, he loved and prayed his way because of you through that challenge. He begged the Father to keep unity amongst the followers that he had there at that time. And he said, everyone who will believe on me because of their words, and that's us. He was about to go to the cross, and he loved and he prayed his way because of you. And the last thing I'll mention as a way to be all in for Jesus is this. I believe it's time that we stop thinking about Jesus as a historical figure. As a matter of fact, if... If someone says the word Jesus, most of us have something that that kind of bubbles up in our mind. And and oftentimes for a lot of us, it's a a physical representation of what artists have thought Jesus looked like. And I have a feeling that every one of them are totally 100% wrong. But still in in this culture, when we think about Jesus, we, we teach the kids about Jesus. Be careful not to teach them about a historical. Is he historical? Absolutely But, you know, he gets laid alongside other historical features. We present him in that way and in that way only. Jesus is not a historical figure only. He is our past. He is our present, and he is our future. He's alive. He's active. He's working for you. And he wants you to be his child. He wants you to be his follower. He wants you to be his disciple. And he wants you to be all in for him. Don't fall between the dock and the boat. Every time I hear someone talk about that, or see a video of that that situation, I had a classmate that here in Nashville, several years ago, I graduated from high school, but several years ago he was in Nashville and he was between a very large barge and the dock with one foot on each. And the barge shifted and he fell. And then the bard shifted back and he died. Don't get crushed by this world. Be all in for Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, your life right now is being lived in vain. If you've been baptized for the remission of sins so that you could be saved and added to the church, you're missing the biggest blessing of your life. You're missing the biggest blessing of eternity. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we've set aside just a few minutes of the service for you to come forward and say, you know, I'd like to make these things right in my life that are wrong. I've been half in. I've been to Bible class and I've been praying and I've been studying, but I'm not all in. If you're not a Christian, you're not all in for Jesus. And tonight, you can make that right. You can set that thing right here tonight. Or perhaps you're a Christian and Like all of us do from time to time, we get ourselves where we lose focus on the prize. We find ourselves with a foot on the dock and a foot on the boat and in danger of falling in the water. Don't do that. You can come forward tonight and ask for prayers of strength and encouragement from this congregation. They'll be gladly offered on your behalf without judgment, without reservation, and with nothing but joy and love. If you're here tonight and you're subject to the invitation, whatever be your need, won't you come? We'll stand and sing to encourage you. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions, please email them to us at office at Once again, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.